Welcome to the season one finale of The Art of Social Media, a podcast brought to you by Social Pilot. Throughout the series, our goal has been to equip you with practical and effective strategies for growing your business through social media. Our esteemed guests have generously shared their wealth of knowledge with us, and today we'll be revisiting some of the most enlightening and thought-provoking moments from industry experts like Justin Levy, Sujan Patel, Joe Polizzi, Houston Golden, and Melinda Emerson. Tune in to learn from the best and take your social media game to the next level. First on our list is Justin Levy, Director of Social and Influencer Marketing at Demandbase. Justin shared how to achieve three times growth in followers, KPIs marketers should measure to increase reach and engagement, and the role of influencer marketing in B2B. I would love to jump on to influencer marketing and private community in a bit, but help me understand. Demandbase recently passed 50,000 followers, I believe, on LinkedIn, like a 3x growth compared to last year. How how did you make this happen? What's what's your secret? One of the things that we really spent time focused on is the type of content that people responded to. And we paid attention to the metrics very closely. So we did things like test carousels. We took advantage. We tried a carousel once. It did really well. It's our highest performing asset by, say, 5 or 6x. And so then we doubled down on that, working with our creative team to consistently, on a near weekly basis, have a carousel based around a topic that was important to the business. So we did things like that. We started to come up with multiple ways to communicate our podcast episodes. So not just the one tired graphic every single time, but can we mix in audiograms? Can we mix in just some different types of creative uh, that help that to stand out? So we worked on those types of things, social video. So we would take larger pieces of video that we have on DBTV, which is the B2B industry's first stream and network. And we'd create social clips of that as opposed to just right on a status update, for example, that said, now go watch the video over here. We'd have that video sliced to a, a key aspect of that. So we we played with all of these different types of content and different products that were available to us within LinkedIn. And as we found the ones that were most successful, we accelerated the pace at which we use them. I also think there are some other things that helped. Certainly last February, almost a year to the day, we relaunched our brand with a fresh look and a new mascot and some new ways that we could kind of play with the brand socially and bring that brand to life. So that, of course, helped to drive new reach and engagement. But it was a combination of all of those things. It was not any one thing like our reach just accelerated and you know, we didn't make any changes back here. Everything we did, we monitored very closely. And if something didn't hit well, we just pulled back on it. You know, we launched our weekly newsletter and, you know, around the same time, somewhere around last week, we surpassed a thousand followers or subscribers on the newsletter by itself. Right. But that didn't happen overnight. It was, it was a pain of like, you know, Week in and week out, it was like five subscribers, then 15 and then 20. But it hits a natural inflection point that if the content stays consistent and stays good, the community starts to respond. 
Yeah. And that's what I've learned after, you know, speaking to a lot of guests on podcast. You got to be consistent. You got to be like helpful. The content doesn't have to be like very salesy, but you know, that's how consistency kind of trumps everything else. You mentioned about uh, content and like you're giving a lot of credit to your content team and that's wonderful. But what does the strategy look like? Like what is the KPIs that the content team kind of, you know, lives for? Like how do you define good content? What's your brief to them? Sure. So when it comes to social specifically, I think the team certainly looks at a few key areas. One, of course, reach matters, right? You want to continue to drive the broadest reach that you can. To do that, you need an increase in followers. But what matters most to us with that is our engagement rate. So one of the things you talked about that, you know, 3x or 2 to 3x increase in followers last year One of the things that always mattered to us with that was that we kind of EQ'd the engagement rate. So our engagement rate is two to three X what LinkedIn says is good for a company page. So what mattered to us was we had that with 12 or 15 or 18,000 followers. We weren't willing to give that up as we increase to 50,000. So on a weekly basis, we would manually calculate that based on every single post and tracking the engagement rate on every post and looking at that weekly on a weekly average. Next comes Sujan Patel, co-founder at Mailshake and MD at Ramp Ventures. Sujan covered the changes that have taken place in digital marketing over the last two decades. Here's a clip. I'm going to jump on to difficult questions, Sujan. That was an easy one for you, but help me understand. How is digital marketing changing? You've been in the industry for quite some time. How are things different last 15 years, last 10 years, and right now? Yeah, so I've been doing this for 20 years. A lot has changed. Yeah, I think it, you know, back when I started, it was very SEO, SEM, and display. All right? I think that was really the three areas as a company could spend and invest in digital marketing, right? And now, well, first of all, there's more channels, right? Social has become a thing. And then even in social, there's paid social. And then and there's a lot more, I think, more retargeting inside of everything you do. You can map kind of a little bit more targeted messaging through either social or all the channels combined. So you can kind of guide the buyer journey or you can advertise or market alongside a buyer's purchase process. So I say, you know, I look at this as it's come from two-dimensional of you have three channels to invest in back in 2005 to or three to 2000 to 2005 to you've got multiple channels. And then you also have, it's three-dimensional. So you've got a lot more depth in where you can, you can advertise or, or market. And then not to mention, so socials become a big thing, but also new social channels like TikTok has come about, Snapchat, and then influencer marketing is a whole new channel, right? So like now there's these celebrities or folks that have built their personal brand, right? That can be a part or, or actually be a whole channel of its own. Interesting. So now effectively tons of more channels, even more difficult for new brands and marketers to understand and crack something. That sounds like a really challenging aspect. Yeah, I mean, and all, I mean, it's more competitive, more saturated, more expensive to do everything, and so I think it's it's more important now than ever to actually make sure you have a cohesive strategy 
You can't like, you know, back when I started, you just get lucky. You can get lucky really easily. If you were like, I'm going to start investing in SEO, like a year later, you would get some results. Here, if you invest in SEO and you just had a bad strategy, you would get no results, let alone nothing along the way, right? So I think strategy uh, matters more than ever. And execution, obviously execution always matters. Uh, but execution is significantly more difficult with the compounding nature of new channels in the depth. Sure. I saw a lot of uh, great points there, Sujan. One of the things was buyer journey. Talk to me more about it. What do you mean by mapping buyer journey and how would I do it? Yeah. So think about like the buyer journey of buying toothpaste and the buyer journey of buying a car. Very different, right? One is like a very simple buying toothpaste. I need toothpaste. I go to the grocery store. And let's we talk about digital here. So I go to Amazon, I go to Walmart, I go to I Google toothpaste. And then I'm like, oh, which one should I buy? Oh, this one's on sale. Like, oh, I can get this tomorrow. When do I need this? You know, Amazon can get me today in the next hour. You know, Walmart could do the same. And then I go on Facebook. I don't buy anything because I'm I've got decision paralysis, uh, option paralysis. And then I get marketed on Facebook like toothpaste brands, you know? And then I click on one of them and sometimes it's the same toothpaste I already saw and I go buy it, right? Like toothpaste buying has never been so complicated, but you also never had to do that. You never had the opportunity to do that online. For guest number three, we have Joe Polizzi, co-founder of CEX, Creator Economy Expo and founder of The Tilt. Joe explained to us how brands can win at content marketing, why you should focus on one specific niche to build your audience and how to approach social media channels. You are credited with the coining of the word content marketing and content marketing has come a long way, right? Right when you started in 2001 to 2022, where everybody's doing content marketing and there are right ways and wrong ways and innovative ways and not so innovative ways. In your view, how has the content marketing world evolved? Do you see any major changes? Providing value remains at the core, but does the delivery change? What's new and what's working? What's interesting is what hasn't changed actually, because if you go in, if you look at Content Marketing Institute research right now, the average company delivers content 13 to 16 different ways. They're, they're tweeting, they're on Instagram, they're doing webinars, they're doing events, they're doing podcasts, they're doing all kinds of, they're doing all the things. But what we've learned that is successful first and foremost is you need to focus on doing one or two things really well. So are you, so first of all, who's that particular audience you're trying to target? Very, get very specific. What is your, what we call a content tilt? What's your differentiation area? What are you going to do to break out of all that clutter? And then you don't do all the things. You usually pick one thing. I'm going to do an amazing e-newsletter. I'm going to do an amazing podcast. It's going to be an amazing Instagram Reels series or a YouTube channel or whatever it is, instead of doing everything. And we've learned this really well from from individual creators, where individual creators are Twitch streamers, they're YouTubers, they're podcasters first and foremost, and then they branch out and diversify. Well, if you look at the greatest media companies of all time, that's how they started. New York Times started as a newspaper. Huffington Post started as just one blog. Now they're 400 or 500 different blogs. TED Talks started as just a talk series. Now they are a fully functional, diversified media company. So that's where I think a lot of content marketers watching this and listening to this can learn. 
where you don't want to boil the ocean with all your content. You want to first and foremost focus on how you can be amazing to a niche audience, build their loyalty, have them come to know, like, and trust you. And then once that happens and you build that audience, then you can go ahead and diversify like a media company would today. And through all that, as to your point, we're going to have new delivery mechanisms. Things are going to move from from audio. You're going to have all kinds of things happen when you get to self-driving cars and you get that form of entertainment that's going to happen. So you're going to fight. We had the fight over the house. You're going to have the fight over the car. Who knows where it's going to go, but you can still be effective in in in-person events, in print, in audio, in video. Everything can be effective depending on how you want to approach it. But it's all about what's my differentiation area? And then am am I delivering consistently to that audience over a long period of time? And then you can diversify and do all the things. So in summary, am I hearing that start with one form of content or one channel, really kind of nail it down? and then try and diversify rather than kind of spreading yourself too thin? Absolutely. I have no problem with somebody that says, I don't know what I should do. Should I do a YouTube short or a podcast or an e-newsletter or whatever? So I'm going to test it. have no problem with testing. But at some point, to build that what we call a minimum viable audience, you need to focus on one thing, sometimes two. Like I, I've seen a lot of successful creators, they say, okay, I'm going to do a podcast, email, newsletter combo. So podcast, get it all out there and have people sign up for my email newsletter and to get that data. Great. Absolutely. But if we're looking on video, generally, you know, somebody's going to make it on YouTube. Sometimes you see like an Instagram, TikTok, they're doing well at both, but generally it's one, it's TikTok or it's Instagram. And then they syndicate that content over to another site, but they really do focus on one Twitch is all about Twitch and that one. So be great at that. And then you're saying, oh, okay, well, now they'll do all the things. Mr. Beast actually is a really good case study who started in YouTube video and now does everything, right? But still people look at Mr. Beast, the media company and say, oh, that's a YouTuber. Well, it does everything else now, but really started by 11 years of figuring out what was that video recipe that's going to build that audience. And then now he's got a hundred million subscribers on YouTube. Coming up next, we have Houston Golden, founder and CEO of Banff.com, who shared his wisdom on how to become a LinkedIn badass in 2023. How does one become a badass at LinkedIn? How do I become a badass influencer at LinkedIn? I have maybe 5,000 connections. Yeah. That's pretty less as compared to you. You have 100,000. Close. So close to 100, how do I grow to 100,000? How to become a LinkedIn badass. Like That's definitely got to be the title of this uh, podcast episode. How to become a LinkedIn badass. So what would define a LinkedIn badass is, in my opinion, somebody who is, one, putting out engaging content that's just giving value to the community, driving engagement, starting conversations. There's the content element. Really, our LinkedIn influencer service, we offer a done-for-you LinkedIn influencer service. And even in my books and a lot of my content, I talk about the four pillars There's four pillars of our service. There's four main chapters in my book that break down the four pillars as well. But the four pillars are profile optimization. There's outreach, which I can go, I mean, we could spend five hours talking about that. We could spend all day, honestly, talking about that. All the different ways of using outreach. The third pillar is content creation, posting, engaging with content. But there's the content pillar. And then there's the what we call appointment setting in terms of our service, but really it's engaging and converting people. So profile optimization is pillar one, outreach is pillar two, content is pillar three, and 
converting those conversations or comments into whatever you're trying to convert people to sales, podcast interviews, investor meetings, anything, right? Partnerships, the conversions is kind of that bottom, that fourth pillar. And I will say there's a bonus pillar, number five, which is basically omni channel, like repurposing what's working for you on LinkedIn out into the other platforms. And that's, we don't need to go too far into that. That's something I'm always experimenting with. But yeah, that's kind of the fifth bonus pillar is basically using LinkedIn as like the best organic playground for your content and your targeting and your messaging and figuring out what's working and then applying that to all the other channels to get better results everywhere. So how to become a LinkedIn badass is really thinking about each one of those pillars very strategically and executing on it in a thoughtful way. And if you miss one of the pillars, then it really brings the whole strategy down. You won't be a badass if you have an amazing, sexy as hell looking profile that's just ready to convert with 16 links going to all your different funnels if you're not putting out content and you're not doing outreach. And if you're just doing outreach and your profile looks a bit like lame or boring and doesn't position you as an authority, no one's going to respond to your outreach. If you're posting content, but you're not doing outreach either, the content's not going to get the right reach. It's not going to be, you're not going to be building your audience. You're not going to be showing your content to the right people. So all of these things really play together. And obviously, if you're not pillar number four for us is appointment setting, if you're not following up with the leads, the people that are replying to your messages, the people who are commenting on your posts, if you're not converting any of these into sales, then what are you doing? You're not a badass because you're not making any money. You're just wasting your time. And that's not what a badass does. A badass comes in with a goal. The goal is I want to grow my personal brand and I want to grow my business. And that's what a badass does. So you have to do all of those things. The bonus pillar, you don't have to do. That's why it's a bonus one. But if we're just talking about LinkedIn, you got to optimize your profile. You got to reach out to the right people and you've got to post engaging content daily. That's what we do. Posting once a week, once a month is also, that's not badass because frankly, it's not enough to learn from. It's not enough to build an audience. It's not enough to hone your craft. It's not enough to really do anything. So some people are like, I don't want to post every day. I feel like I'm going to be annoying my audience. I'm going to be annoying my connections. I'm like, actually an interesting, uh, it's an interesting objection I encounter when people want to hire us and they're like, can you just post once a week for me? I'm like, no, that's not going to be a good fit. We want to make you a LinkedIn badass or a LinkedIn influencer. But basically just like on that one point there, the algorithm will take care of that for you. If you're worried about posting too much, if you're like, I don't want to post every day, I just want to post once a week because I don't want to annoy people, the algorithm will take care of that for you. If your audience is not engaging with your content, then the algorithm is not going to show those people your content. The algorithm's number one job is to show your content to people they think are going to engage with it. So if you're annoying people or certain people in your audience don't want to look at your content, they're not going to see it. And yeah, that's kind of, we can dive deeper into different elements of those pillars. And I think for me, the most interesting ones are, are the outreach strategies and the content strategies. Last but not least, Melinda Emerson, president of Small Biz Lady Enterprise, inspired us with her story of becoming America's number one expert on small business development and social media marketing. 
you had quite a few advantages. Of course, the degree in journalism, being an early adopter on Twitter, having that special branding of small biz lady. I think all of those things worked out very much in your favor. And I think you're you're taking a great way to kind of help others on, on that aspect. But if somebody were to start today, for example, on the person branding side, it how difficult it would be? Like it's everybody's on Twitter and Instagram. Like how does one get started? Really hard today. I don't know that somebody could just do exactly what I did again. But what I do know is that there's still a vacuum there's still not a lot of great content on the internet. There's a lot of content on the internet, but there's not a lot of really good content on the internet. And so I still feel like if you create good content, valuable content, helpful content, that's not just stuff with SEO keywords, right? Like this content that's actually going to help people. I think that you can still win out here and no matter what, and it just really depends on what your poison is, right? Do you like to do videos? Do you like to do podcasts? Do you like to write? You know, you don't have to be doing everything, but you need to be doing one thing really, really well and really consistently. You know, one of the things that I do want to say is when I got started on Twitter as the small biz lady, it took me almost two years of tweeting every day, like nine to five, like it was a job before anybody paid me to do anything. Like before my brand was monetized, it took almost two years. And so I like to say that because I think people look at me now like, oh, how'd you get 300,000 followers? One follower at a time. (laughs) That's how I got them. You know, so I think that it is important to point out that there are no overnight successes, even on social media. Like even if you go viral, unless you're getting those people on an email list, it's like still kind of irrelevant. And I think a lot of times people are searching for that viral moment. And it's like, well, what are you viral for? Dancing and making an ass out of yourself on TikTok? I don't know that that's really going to help you grow your business. Uh, My suspicion is not, you know? So I think that (laughs) there's viral And then there is consistent online community that you have an actual relationship with. And I think that that is the difference. I think I see a lot of people out here chasing viral moments. And I'm like, dude, unless those viral people are all going to your website and signing up to be on your list, or unless they're all coming and buying whatever you sell, it's just viral. And I think think a lot of people lose, lose sight of that. And I also think that you know, Instagram has destroyed our culture. I'm just going to be straight up. Like, I I just feel like there are so many people, pretenders, or people who they're not selling their expertise, they're selling their lifestyle. So you want to live like me, you want to drive the kind of car I drive, you want to take the vacations that I take, you know, sign up for my course. Not Sign up for my course because of like, I've helped hundreds of thousands of people. (laughs) Don't sign up for my course because I have a best-selling book that's been in print for 12 years. It's in its third edition. Don't look at that. I might not have a book at all. I might publish some self-published ebook that's littered with typos, but no, you should still, you know, sign up for my $24,000 coaching program because you need me because you want to live like me. (laughs) <laughs> I, mean, I mean, this is what people are doing. And I'm looking at this going, this is how it's like they took a good thing and they have corrupted it. We hope the valuable insights shared by our guests have been enjoyable and informative for you. 
I'd like to give a big thank you to them for joining us on this journey. As season one draws to a close, we would like to extend our gratitude to our listeners for your continued support. However, there is no need to panic as we are thrilled to announce that season two is just around the corner, where we will continue to provide you with expert knowledge on leveraging social media to boost your business. On behalf of the Social Pilot team, thank you for listening.